Welcome to another episode of The Unapologists. Today we have, of course, the lovely and beautiful showstopper, Christopher Polson. He's a showstopper. Over on this end, in a new location, surrounded by books to make him look more intelligent than he is, is Vito McKenzie. And we are also joined by a very special guest. Uh, for two weeks in a row, we have a wonderful person with us. We have Mark Raby. Did I say that, say that right, Mark? That's correct. Yep, that's exactly it. Awesome. Well, Mark is a special guest brought on by uh, Chris here, so I'm going to let him do the introduction and let us know about the wonderful man we're about to talk to. So I have known Mark for a long, a long time now, a uh, very long time. I knew Mark before he was a teacher. I knew Mark before he was a university student. Um, I knew Mark when he wasn't a student at all. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward for him uh, to talk to us today, tell us his story and kind of pick his brain uh, about, you know, his teaching experience and kind of what it's like uh, right now, kind of in the moment as a teacher trying to forge his way in, in the education industry. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Mark. It's great to have you today. And so I guess we're just going to jump in by saying like, who are you? Uh, what brought you to teaching? We really want, uh, what's your story? Um, take it away. The floor is yours, my friend. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so I can, I guess I can start by saying that uh, it, I didn't really have a clear idea um, from early on that I was going to get into teaching. It was more something that sort of happened after I graduated from um, undergrad. And, uh, and the way that I found into it was, uh, was starting to work through Fulford Academy and working at an international school with students from all over the world. It was really inspiring because you'd have uh, people from um, you know, Japan and Korea in the, in the same room just kind of getting to know each other um, you know, personally and having those personal connections. Um, and it was, just, it was more stimulating to me personally because everybody had this like, amazing background story and being able to share like, their culture. And, and it was just like sort of the epitome of, of a multicultural classroom. So I, I really enjoyed that. And then um, after that experience, then I went up to Nipsing and that's kind of where uh, we, we have that in common as well. Uh, so up in North Bay. Oh, yeah. And uh, after that, yeah, it was, but then, you know, they kind of tell you um, at teacher's college, you basically have to school, choose your school board because uh, if you, if you, if you choose to leave, then you lose your, your seniority and you got to start all over again. But I wasn't really prepared to just kind of stick with one place quite yet. So for me, it was the same as moving to Asia. So I just <laughs> moved to Asia and, and uh, spent a few years there. And then uh, my wife and I just moved back in 2018 and uh, just started with uh, a school board here in Ontario. So, um, so and that, now it's kind of a transition from high school that, to elementary now. So there are uh, quite quite a few changes, uh, more than just the geography. But it's been uh, it's been amazing to be honest. It's been, I've been really lucky. Um, I've been really fortunate that uh, I've been I've been granted a lot of opportunities. And I think kind of all of us, I think if you're, you're in a leadership role and you're leading a group of people that trust you, then it, it is, you know, it is a fortunate feeling that, uh, you know, people believe in you that much. I always feel like it's uh, they're you're giving you a lot of trust there with that. And uh, I never want to, you know, take that for granted. For sure. Now, uh, take it away. Uh, oh, I was just going to ask, you know, you said you first started your experience at an international school. Where was that again? Uh, it was in Taipei in Taiwan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then you went after Nipissing went back to Asia. Now Asia is a pretty big place. Were you back in Taiwan or were you, uh, where, where did, where were you after that? Where did you go there? Uh, well, I originally went to uh, China. Um, I was originally in, um, in Suzhou, but, uh, it was, I had some visa issues and they, and the, the school was kind of like, 
Yeah, like it, it, was, it was tricky. So I just basically decided, you know, I was just going to go and find somewhere that was going to be a little bit lower, more, you know, above board. And so I, uh, I went to, um, to Taiwan and I went to Taoyuan and started teaching at a sort of a cram school, like at, at night. And, uh, and then I ultimately found this international school in Taipei and started uh, teaching economics. So I did that for about three years um, and, then, and then moved back just in 2018. So, you, so before ahead, be, before you uh, got the the teaching degree when you were at Fulford Academy, uh, what was it that hmm. you were doing at Ful, Fulford Academy that kind of uh, kind of got that I guess the that appetite for uh, for education? What what was the the job you were doing there? Yes, for sure. So uh, it was like residential advisor. So uh, so I mean, it was it was pretty sweet. Like it was like you would go on sort of weekend trips to Wonderland or to, to uh, you know, to uh, hockey games or whatever. But um, but also, I mean, there, there was also sort of in class and like study halls and uh, and just basically more like almost like uh, direct instruction, I would say, than closer than like sort of, you know, broader classroom teaching. Uh, you had a, a chance to sort of connect um, sort of individually, like um, person by person and helping them just kind of with their with their homework just like sort of, sort of answering questions or um or whatnot and and so that sort of just just the dynamic like i was saying earlier of having like people from korea and people from japan and you know people from china all in the same room and all sort of like you kind of have to throw all sort of prejudice out the window to a certain extent just because you're getting to know people by name like you're getting to know people by like personally rather than just sort of like you know, people over there or whatever. Like, I just feel, I felt like it was a good way to move forward in terms of, you know, having the exposure, like people just being exposed to uh, other people and other people's cultures. Um, I, I thought that was really cool. So what was the shock like then coming back here and well, Canada, let's just, let's just mm-hmm. put it broadly coming, mm-hmm. coming back and back in getting hired 2018 where you are right now. What, mm-hmm. how was that kind of culture shock for you? Uh, I think more for my wife. <laughs> she, she's Taiwanese, so, <laughs> so I think the culture shock is more from her end. But uh, for me, it was just like, um, I guess the I, I would say, um, yeah, like I, I would say that um, certainly in terms of how uh, structure, like in terms of how um, sort of the, the disciplinary and structure, like um, as opposed to like in Taiwan. You know, there, there, it's certain uh, instances, and I'm not sure if they still do it now, but they would have people sort of like staring at a wall, which uh, here is like a big faux pas. So, so that would be like uh, one example. Um, but that's certainly not like the only. Like I've taught in a, a school in, in Tanzania where they still did corporal punishment. Uh, so I've seen, I've seen a lot of different forms of of, of discipline. I guess if you could call it that. And um, so that was one of the, the the differences. I guess is uh, is coming here and then learning. Not that I would say like, okay, you're in detention now. You're standing up against a wall. <laughs> but oh, I would in... totally would. <laughs> <laughs> go make friends with that wall. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you about my cereal box detention later. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was one. But then also just generally, I would say uh, more challenged in terms of um, like sort of behavior. I would say for sure um, coming back and and maybe it's just being the supply teacher and having to do that. I think every every supply teacher has that story. So the behavior here was a little more um, a little more management heavy than the behavior over there. 
Yeah, I would say for sure. Uh, but again, like I don't want to compare apples to oranges because when I was teaching over there, I was teaching high school, and then when I come back, right. I'm teaching elementary. Right. right? It's gonna be it's gonna be dramatically different. But um, but yeah, like I sort of as a whole, it was more like I was. I think I've been challenged more in Canada for sure um, to try to uh, you know, like like here. I think if you have a bad lesson, you're gonna know it. But there, I feel like you could have a bad lesson and you might not. <laughs> you, might, you, might, you might get away with it. Yeah. yeah, no, I like that. Um, now, when yeah. you were teaching over there, um, I know you had one particularly uh, really interesting uh, kind of opportunity. Um, we're cycled around Taiwan, correct? Mm -hmm. um, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about cycle around Taiwan? Because just in conversations we've had about it, it sounds like one of the coolest things ever. And I would, I'd love to kind of hear about that and then kind of like then maybe we jump into like kind of a Canadian perspective of, of that as well. So if you want to kind of touch on that. Absolutely. I'd love to go grab my uh, little medal that I got. It's just in the other room. I should show you. It's, uh, it says a thousand kilometers. Actually, I'm going to, it's just going to be like two seconds. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, we'll just go better. So my cereal box attention <laughs> legendary among my students is I actually cut labels off of cereal boxes different different kinds and there's a progression from mini wheats to lucky charms uh oh depending on it. and so if a student annoys me enough not enough to have a serious like go to the office you're suspended but just annoys me enough they have to come in at lunch and they sit down and in a deadpan voice i read the ingredients to the cereal box to them <laughs> and they are not allowed to leave until they repeat them back to me in the proper order. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And it starts from like the, the healthy thing. That's like two ingredients. Yeah. Mi like mini wheats, I think is the, my top and that's only five ingredients, yeah. but then you get to lucky charms and you got those 19 ingredients. <laughs> yes. All those different sugars and acids and everything they put in there. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, I love it. I love it. You can't Are, say they're not learning anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't get detention of Mr. McKenzie. That's what they learn. <laughs> Let's see the middle. Uh, yeah, here it is. So I uh, got a prop for the story now. And uh, let's see if I can get it right on the camera. It's hard on the iPad. I can't really see where the camera is. But uh, okay, so here it is. And uh, on the other side, what's so funny about it is it looks so unassuming. Like for me, I just found it in a box the other day. And then when you flip the side, um, like you got these like km on there so that was a lot um compared to all the other metals so, that a lot yeah for the listeners it, it, it says 922 kilometers on it <laughs> yeah so uh, it was about about two weeks almost um and i did it in 2016 and i did it in 2018 and uh for me it was absolutely incredible like so what um, is it like what so is it it's, yeah yeah, so so basically, we, we train for it for like um, you know uh, months leading up to it, and it's it's everybody cycling um, for about twelve days in a row, and uh, it's the entire perimeter with the exception of I think uh, Elon to Polyen, which is just too too dangerous. It's just deemed to be too dangerous, so that part we just take a train, but every, all the rest of the island we are cycling. So um, so. It's, but it's with students, yeah, exactly. So you're you're cycling alongside with students. I was in the back. Uh, you get your whistle, and there's people in the front. It was through the uh, company Giant, and uh, so they're like a bike company out of Taiwan. Um, and uh, and so basically, we were staying at hotels and uh, along the way, and um, yeah, it was really challenging. I mean, the first day was pretty much entirely up a mountain, 
so uh so and i was unprepared i was i was actually a fool because like the day before i got a massage to make my muscles all loose uh -oh. and it just made it a thousand times harder like wake up with that <laughs> massage pain <laughs> yeah exactly i was like what was i thinking like and everybody was making fun of how slow i was like i was basically the one dragging everybody down like oh mr rabies we're only as fast as slow it's right who happens to be mr rabies <laughs> i love it i love it I love it. Um, so that that's I, got, I think that's a really cool opportunity for students. Thanks. I got this second prop I can show you, and I found it just the other day. It's all in Chinese. I found you wouldn't believe it. I found this. This is a parent had this, and they were like in the crowd, and and this is like talk about fandom. They had made this giant sign, and it's like it's got my name, and it's got like some stuff in Chinese, and then it's got like it's cycling, and I couldn't believe it, dude. It was like that was like. Probably the closest I'll ever be to a celebrity. Look at that. <laughs> I love it. Wow. So so you, you start off and you get you finish your undergraduate. You get this opportunity to be a res advisor. It, uh, it, it sparks a passion. You study at Nipissing University. From Nipissing, you spend, you spend a few years in Taiwan. And you're teaching high school in Taiwan. And you have this cycle opportunity. Um, and then, boom, now you're back in Canada. And you're kind of in a situation where you're 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 not starting over as a professional, but you're starting over as a teacher who exists in a country. Um, and if you could kind of tell us now, so you're this guy, you're coming with a, a, a some experience, um, but you're in a new position, and you got to start building a new program in a different in a in a different division too. You're down in elementary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. take us through that. What's that, what's that like, um, you know, what's it like to start? What's, what's it like to get this started? Because it's, you know, oftentimes with new teachers, the new teacher experience is one that's quite, um, you know, there's a menu for it. You're at school until 10 o'clock. You're constantly lesson planning, this, that, the other thing. But you're now coming in, you're not a new teacher, but you're in a new teacher situation. Talk about that for us. Absolutely, man. Um, to be honest, like I can tell you that um, I was I, I was happy to see like I, I had gotten a lot more when I returned. I got a lot more respect as a professional. I know when I was in Taiwan, the international school, I had it with, with like it would you know, punch in sort of with like facial recognition and then punch out with facial recognition. So it was very like sort of like um, to a, to a, almost to a certain extent distrusting. And and so when I came back, like the, I just found that there like I have a more of a professional relationship um when when i came back i get i feel like i get trusted a little bit more um and that could just be a variety of reasons like i know that when i was at um, the the cram schools um you know certain people may not even show up because you know that um they like just if, if people act unprofessionally then they treat everybody like they could act unprofessionally <laughs> so 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 uh so here i found that that they do give you the benefit of the doubt and and that was really cool that was really cool to be able to sort of uh get treated that way um i would say too like getting just starting out i got really lucky um being on the supply list in terms of being able to show up and seeing what other people had planned like i didn't just show up and have to start planning like i was able to go in and see you know, experience days, walk through days of, of what people had planned already. So I was able to do that for about like, you know, almost uh, about a half a year uh, before I had my first LTO. And then uh, working towards my first LTO, like at that, at that point, at least I had a, a sense, like I had a pretty good idea of 
you know, what, what are good songs to play <laughs> for certain age groups and stuff. I mean, I'm talking French now, right? So uh, songs are everything. <laughs> so so <laughs> you did important. you did the grind for about half a year of the, you know, hope there's a call in the morning. And I did, yeah. Actually, it would be a calls in the evening, man. It would be, it would be calls in the evening. So, yeah, yeah. And there, there were a lot of calls in the evening. So I had to make sure, like, if I was going to the movies or whatever, to keep my phone off because right. it's, it's a lifestyle. The lifestyle of the, the supply teacher, I, I tell you, man, you're, you're getting I, called a lot. I feel you on that one. I actually spent two <laughs> years on supply when I first got started in the, uh, around this area. And the worst was when I was at my um, my well, my wife my, my, at that time my fiance's house her parents' house for dinner we usually go there Sundays. The, my cell phone didn't really work; it missed all the towers. But there was one spot in the house where I had to keep the phone, and so I had to keep it there and listen just in case it rang. Like that's it's it's a tough gig. Like I I, I feel you on that. Like oh, that's yeah. that that's so a big grind. Like yes. The phone. Oh, completely. Yeah. I would. I wish if I, if I went back, I would, I would make sure it was a red phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get one of those new, re- I, I see. I, uh, I only had the sub, uh, the sub lifestyle for a very short amount of time. And it was pretty easy for me. Cause I didn't even get one call. I was in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Uh, so, so I remember the, the, the first call I got was after I'd got a full-time job. Wow. <laughs> wow. Press wow. eight to accept. Um, I don't think I can accept this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of know the gig because you've had supply teachers before. Yeah. So I think if, you, if you've had supply teachers before, you know what they go through. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Do you, do you have any? Do you have any stories for us about that that grind and that that gig that either just ones that were just like what you, you leave and you're just like, well, I'm going to directly go to the employment office and change my life. <laughs> Yeah, you know, early on, especially because I was just so, like, you know, I was so unprepared and so un- unequipped for, I was just stunned. I was just like, I was still in the stunned phase. I was just like, like, you know, and this is way pre-COVID. I can't imagine now spitballs. But remember, like, you'd be rep- make, making spitballs and with, like, the uh, the straw stuff. I see a guy, then he's making spitballs in the back, and I'm like, I can't believe this is still a thing. Like, I hadn't seen that since forever. And uh, so I was like trying to, you know, uh, redirect him from from that. And just as I started to think that I was making progress, I caught him like with a glue stick, like gluing people's chairs so that they would like he'd just stick. So this is just like Dennis the Menace. Like I just had Dennis the Menace in my class, <laughs> and, uh, and and I just was not ready for that. I was just like, what, like what, what do I do now? Like does I just send him to the office? Like and then again, like I didn't know the office. I didn't know. I didn't want to like. I, I don't know. I was just like woefully unprepared for that moment. <laughs> wow, you know you're 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 speaking to some pretty good stuff here because, you know you're you're a guy who has a number of years experience and you're going into it and you're saying I was unprepared for this, and then when you look at the the bulk of our our substitute teaching list, it's people who are fresh mm-hmm. out of university. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know what kind of, uh, you know, as someone who and again you have this experience. You know, what advice do you have, if any, for for these people? Because I, I think about this new teacher experience and the new teacher experience often starts with that sub list. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what would you say? You know, what would you say to these young people who are as equipped as people who have spent, what, three months in a classroom under mm-hmm. the under the guidance of, a, of of the actual classroom teacher? And then it's like, hey, teachers out, you're in. It's only for a day. 
you know, what do you think would be some advice there or some, something to think about? Uh, I would think that, like, I, I guess, I don't know. I would say to a certain extent, um, be mindful of your ego. I think that everybody, like, doesn't really want to, um, you know, show weakness in any way. Um, but I think that to a certain extent, um, you kind of have to be comfortable with what is the threshold? Like, what, what, what is, like, what, at what point am I going to call, you know, to, for, for support? And just kind of go in with that sort of a, um, an understanding. And, and it, what, in my personal experience, I think if it's somebody that's holding up an entire room, like if, if an entire room is getting blocked from, you know, advancing or whatever, then like, I don't think personally, I don't think that there's any shame in if there's another body like floating, like if there's an EA or if there's not even necessarily administration, but if there's just another body that could come in and support. Like, I don't necessarily think that that's like the walk of shame. And I think that to a large extent, it, it really is sort of pushed on us pretty early, even in teacher's college. Like, for sure, don't, don't ever make that call. Like, don't, don't call for anything, but you know, you got to kind of have to gauge, like, gauge it a little bit and see, because I think a lot of people are sort of trained to think that that's like the last, you know, like, like, it's like, uh, I don't know, some, some, ta some taboo. I, I like how you say that, because that is always the trepidation of a, of a new teacher. It's like, I don't want them to think that I can't handle this classroom. But as a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, any, one of the any, things, hey, any teacher, Vito, any, any teacher, yeah. and that, and what's, what's scarier today is with covid and all the changes happening there's a rush of retirements happening now yeah and i see a lot of fresh out of university permanent hires coming in this will be right at university into the classroom first time and it's literally baptism by fire but um mm -hmm. the threshold thing i like how you say that because you know one thing my wife tells me is that what you tolerate escalates and so you got to figure out where, where where's your threshold. Like I taught seven, eight for a few years and there's a lot you have to let go at that age group. <laughs> there's a lot you have to let go, but oh, you also have to say, okay, at this point, no, we're done. And this is my yeah. expectation for you. You cross that you're in. And um, so, yeah. you know, I, I think you're onto something there. Like it's so scary. I need to be able to control my class. They can't see me weak, but at the same time, you're not controlling your class. Yep. Well, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And then, and then it's just, it's a slippery slope from there. Right. Like you said, like, uh, that's exactly what you said. Like if, if all of a sudden it's okay to make spitballs and to glue, glue people's chairs, then like, what, you know what I mean? Like you could be best of intentions and you can be trying your best to give some direct instruction to somebody, but it's not going to work if, you know, you get some, some people just causing a ruckus all the time like you gotta sort of yeah like but especially what makes it so much more important in this context is that supply teachers don't have relationships necessarily to to build off like to work off of so you're just you're just showing up and kid doesn't know to trust you or doesn't know to care about you like it's just it's like it's like you're a stranger basically and so you're hoping that like you know that they are kind and empathetic and like they would just like would would uh you know care about your feelings but i think that that's like high hopes like it's, it's not always certainly not always the case and, and, and uh, you're too and, as the teacher going by whatever the notes on the kid are from from you know from the classroom teacher right like you're yeah all you can say is like hey johnny looks like a great hey kid greets you in the morning hey there are you my teacher today yeah oh i'm really excited hey that seems like a nice kid and then you go in and you see the note about the kid. Oh, do not talk. He will, you know, um, <laughs> you, you know, so, so you're at, so I, I think it's just such a, 
such an avenue worth talking about because you're saying a lot of really good things and I can't help but go back to that. And this is coming from a guy who isn't new, you know? Mm -hmm. So what, 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 um, you know, I'm a veteran teacher now. That makes me feel old saying Vito is a veteran teacher. Now you're a veteran teacher now. Um, how do we support our substitute staff when they come in? What, 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 what would you, you know, what was the thing that you would have loved if someone would have been able to do for you without being asked, just knowing, you know, that you're in the building type thing? Yeah, I think that that's, um, it's a great point. I think maybe, um, sort of like, like backups, maybe like, just like, you you know, what's, what's really good. I think to be honest is, uh, you know, those list of, um, I'm not sure. I think it's an official document, but like a list of your students and then their interests and like, and it kind of breaks down, like, like you can actually make a table okay. of like things that your students are, are legitimately interested in, uh, strengths, weaknesses, like just descriptors of, of the students. Um, and, and something like that, Which honestly, would, that are right there for, for looking at. That's what I mean. Yeah, man. Because then right away you can kind of see, okay, well this kid, you know, from an elementary point of view or whatever, likes trucks. So then you're, you're at least, you at least can talk about trucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I, I showed up today in my Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead of just free falling, you got a branch on the way down. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and I always do the, I, when I, as part of my, my, my chaplaincy role, whenever I know there's a sub in the building, I always do the check-in. I'll mm. walk around and I'll just walk into the class and be like, Hey, just wanted to come and say, hi, how's it going today? You know, so just so just, you know, like you said, that get that other person in the room, but then they don't have to be yeah. asked. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. And so you did that for about a year or two here in Canada. Or yeah, sorry, about, it was yeah. you did you did the you did the semester of the sub grind and then yeah. you got a long term occasional position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it started off. It started off just Mondays. Uh, I would just do the like a Monday. I would have it was like an LTO, but it was just Mondays. And then other days, I would just go to other schools. Um, and that came about actually. I was on a bus back from, and I was working back at Fulford. When I came back, I also went back to Fulford. So, uh, and I was on my way a bus back from Wonderland, and I got a, a message from a guy. I said like, "How's your French?" And uh, and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> it, it had been a while like I, my French was like I it's hireable from, yeah I was in French immersion from like grade 5 to grade 8 like I had studied it for 3 years 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like I, I don't know I guess I could I could try and uh, and so yeah so suddenly I was in a 5-6 French class and that really tested me a lot because uh, it's hard I mean it's hard to have confidence and appear confident when you don't know <laughs> like so so it was uh uh so that was like it was it was learning like like Vito was saying like really just trial by fire um but i mean just the exposure and and the amount of you know time you're in that environment it's immersive and you get better fast and and honestly this is another thing is like we have to sort of admit and acknowledge that teachers learn alongside students and like to a certain extent it's like almost viewed like students are there to learn but like teachers are there to just be permanent. Like they're just, they're just there to be, they're the consistency, like, but it's students that are there to learn. But really, I think that teachers and students learn simultaneously and, and admin. I think everybody in general, anybody living and breathing is learning. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Teachers aren't just furniture in the room giving out. <laughs> yeah. 
lessons and, and, and you know, commands, but at the end of the day, you yeah. plug into the wall so you can recharge for the next day. Uh, it's actually a discussion point. How do you respond to a student to say, what do teachers do after school? And that all depends on how gutsy you are on that response. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, to a certain extent, I, I try to like, um, be personable, but without being too personal. Uh, so like being like honest and open, but without being like, you know, this is my neighborhood or anything. Like I won't, I won't like get into like, you know, proximity per se, but I have no problem sharing that I have a cat that like, you know, like I have a wife and like, I have no problem sharing those things, but I do try to avoid like, uh, making these broad announcements. Like I go to this pool hall every Tuesday or whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you tell them a different pool hall so they don't go up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, I like how you say that to, to be personable, but without getting too personal with them. Uh, because I, I do know of a teacher a while back who she would come in and be like, so my husband and I got into a fight last night. It's like, <laughs> Um, you know what? As a student, man, I would just be like, "Tell me more," because I remember, like, I had a grade five teacher that would just tell, talk about her son all the time, and it just meant I didn't have to work. It was amazing. I was just like, "Tell me more." <laughs> tell me about that horrible fight. <laughs> like, guys, our class. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's bad as a teacher if you say, you know what, you know, as a, a married person, that you know, we, my, my wife and I, we are going to get into, we do get into arguments, right? And this is part of our thing. But to get into the details, be like, okay, so we once got to a fight. This is what I said. This is what she said. This is what I said. You like, won't believe. You <laughs> won't believe what she said to me and i'm gonna repeat it for all of you so you know and then and then you have the broken telephone because then that kid goes home without anybody in the room and it's like over dinner how, how is school today <laughs> and then the broken telephone. Said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. then we get to play broken telephone i love it so you've you've had this really interesting uh start of your teaching career but I know you as a person and, and I know that you like you value uh, you value self-care and making sure that you are taken care of as a person in the different things uh, that you where you need to be taken care of, where you need to recharge. So could you kind of give us some insights into your practice of this uh, for yourself and then maybe go uh, a little bit further too and suggest some things that we can do in our schools to kind of really promote caring for who we are while still being, you know, the teacher who, and you're hitting on a lot of things Vito and I have talked about in previous episodes, you know, you're not wearing the teacher mask. You're not teach bot 2000. You're still being authentically who you are, but they're understanding the barrier, the, the, the distance that has to be in there. So talk about that self care and, and where you see that needs to be something big. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. I think that, um, it, you know, especially this year, but I mean, all years, uh, we got to recognize that like, um, stress is real, like, still, like students walk into uh, classrooms with, you know, tons of baggage that we don't even know about. Um, so, you know, like, it's all of these things, and they can easily distract them from whatever you're trying to get them to learn about or whatever. And to a certain extent, like, it's, if you're going to get them to 
open up about it and like kind of deal about it, deal with it. And then, you know, being able to get to a point where they're ready to learn. Um, honestly, a big part of it, I think, is just being being trustworthy enough to being to, to be a, a listener. Like if somebody trusts you and confides in you, uh, I think that's a big deal because I think um, like and I know that now, especially they're looking like most schools are looking for uh, students to show one teacher that they can trust. Like if you could just give them a piece of paper and write one teacher that you would trust with something um, to go forward to them. Um, some students can't even do that. Uh, and I think that that's the that's the tragedy. Um, so make, making sure that, you know, you're that you that you uh, appear to students like that you're they're able to trust you. Um, but in terms of like personally and my own wellness, I would say like things that I know that help me a lot are going into nature. Um, and that was something that uh, Claire and I did today was going to uh, Mac Johnson Wildlife Area. But the thing is, is um, you can't really do that in, in the school year because it's winter. So so that's the, the challenge. Like I know I, I go into uh, a wooded area and I instantly feel better. Like within half an hour to an hour, I just feel like charged like completely charged um and i wouldn't get that if i were to relax in my apartment all day um but you know in the winter context i think that's harder to to accomplish you know because everybody will be freezing and it won't have the same effect whatsoever so but but i guess you know because it is seasonal it's even just letting students know that that is an option for summer for spring for fall like they may because it's really just one season that they can't uh, that does not, so not that they can't, but it's not going to have the same effect. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, just like sort of spreading the awareness of what, what they can do, what's in their, what's in their range. Also, like, because I did a course through the Psychology Foundation and like it, it mentioned a lot of like breathing exercises, muscle relaxation, um, just like ways of, of de-escalating um, sort of heightened emotions, right? And I think that that's really important too, because if, people don't um you know if people don't learn self-regulation that way like you know ultimately decisions end up getting made that get regretted right and so it's it's i think really important to be able to teach those explicitly um so but oftentimes it's just in the hidden curriculum like it's not even necessarily what you're supposed to be doing but i don't know i'm sure as teachers for you guys i'm sure you've walked in on certain days where you're just like all right well everything that i was gonna do is on hold for a moment while we deal with <laughs> whatever whatever has come up you know absolutely yeah you can't yeah yeah so absolutely. i think just yeah recognizing it acknowledging it you've hit on some really really good points there so first of all the whole going in the woods and feeling better i japanese actually have a term for that called forest bathing and they mm -hmm. made it part of their cultural motif of a stress relief to make sure people go out into the woods and go for a walk every day and there's mm -hmm. actually a not only a, a psychological but a physiological benefit and they say that's coming from all the, um, I have to look it up again, but there actually is a chemical substance from all the leaves and the, um, everything that's happening that, mm -hmm. that does make you feel better. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's, that's very important. What I really like what you said is about how teaching the, the practices of breathing and, and emotional regulation as an everyday practice before it actually happens. So <laughs> as it gets there, you know, and yeah. I've, I've written about this, I've talked about this where, you, you can't tell students, okay, if you're feeling stressed, here's what you should do. And then never get them to practice it. <laughs> like in a stressful situation. NHL, just be better at hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, 
you know, you, you want to teach a person how to handle like driving conditions in the winter, but you don't actually get them to practice any defensive driving techniques. You know, it's like, okay, well, the first time you hit a patch of black ice, guess what you're going to do? You're going to hit those brakes and you're going to spin out. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Or, or I just find like to a certain extent, and we still do it. Like I thought it was sort of bad, uh, bad practice when I was really young, but it's still even now like where they just say like organization broadly organization like not uh, does not meet expectations or whatever but if it's just like okay but like then what am i doing where are my next steps to get more organized and oftentimes they're like few and far between we don't necessarily teach them we just look at the end of the year and think were they organized <laughs> so like, i didn't teach it at all but were you they need organized? to organize uh, your <laughs> net be organized i thought it was <laughs> I know where everything is. I know where it is. Just you don't like the type of organizational method I use doesn't mean it's not organized. <laughs> and then you get the classic 1980s teacher who does the desk flip, pours the whole thing out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was saving that sandwich from three months ago for later. <laughs> I knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> and what I'm liking what you're saying though is you have cultivated a, an understanding of the self, where you know what's going to recharge your batteries. When you start to notice that you're slipping you have some fail safes that can help you out of that. And I think that that, um, you know, if we, if we look at the new teacher experience or not the new teacher experience, but the new position experience um, and even the veteran one for, for that matter, I think it, that's such an important thing for Mark, you know, that nature component is huge for him. Um, but in a stressful job like teaching, um, you really need to know what's going to to recharge your batteries or even what's going to what's going to put a stop to the negative spiraling right um, and mm -hmm. I, I think that's so absolutely important for anybody in the education industry because in any given day we are uh, we are very much in control with the nurturing of you know, anywhere from 30 to uh, depending on what division you're teaching in 30 to, to hundreds of young people mm -hmm. have parents and grandparents and different stakeholders in, in them and including our own administration. Um, and you know how we deal with that. We need to have a good understanding of what's the thing that's going to take us back. Um, oh, absolutely. So for you, for you <clears throat> absolutely. in the moment, like, let's say, let's say you notice your school day is, is starting to spiral out of control. Um, mm. And this is just great advice for any teacher that Mark's talking about today. But, you know, when you can't get to that nature, when you can't get to those things that you know are your like absolute best, you know, what's, what's your kind of thought process on being able to stop reassess and and change the direction of the day you know what do you do in that in that situation it's gonna sound weird man i think but uh, oftentimes and and a lot of people i think like movement does fuel my my brain activity like if i'm if i'm moving like if i'm if i'm having a conversation with somebody and i know it's not just me i know like steve jobs and stuff did it too like if you're if you're out walking and 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 moving 
then you're you're just it's more you're getting more stimulation so it's you're getting a, at least for me i have a clearer image or a clearer idea of what i'm doing so some sort of movement um which again in in a class setting is not always the most conducive to yeah. it and you might no, Vito, what have we always said you know you, you want to really engage class get out of that desk that's it that's <laughs> it motion creates emotion get up walk around yeah oh absolutely and and you know what the the i think the biggest way that you can the biggest tell that i've ever seen is when a kid is irritating the i'm sitting in the back of the room i'm a five uh, on the wall and i'm seeing like a kid is irritating the teacher and the teacher could easily walk over to the, to the student and privately talk to them and say you know, redirect them or whatever and then it's not humiliating for the student it's not like i've been called out in front of all my peers like you could just have that private respectful conversation but so often like multiple times i've seen the teacher just call out in front of everybody to call out on that kid because they didn't want to take the four steps <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it would be four steps to go over and and deal with this privately but sure. i could just stand where i am <laughs> and deal with it publicly <laughs> and i think we, last last episode, Marie talked about a, a Twitter thread where students talked about things teachers said out loud in class to them, calling them out. I and it was actually you, you did look at them. I looked it up after the uh, after we recorded the episode, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, a lot of it's it, it's shocking. It's sad. It's it's and it's depressing. Like four steps just to say, "Hey, you know, I think you need to go for a walk now. Just just go." somewhere <laughs> oh yeah 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 absolutely and then and then it's going to be a million times better received because yep. then it's not like a humiliating experience where a lot of kids clap back and they'll just like you know they'll just it'll just escalate it'll just escalate whatever it's you're trying to de-escalate so it's counterproductive but it's just i don't know it's it's unfortunate because it, it can be devastating and it's things that you remember forever i i remember things that you know my grade four grade six teacher said to the entire class and it just didn't need to happen. Like it just is completely avoidable. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so I'm going to jump off this springboard too, because I think it, it kind of plays into a lot of who you are as a teacher. Um, one of the things that I just want our listeners to know is like of the teachers that I know, Mark is probably one of the most uh, committed to ongoing education that I, I, I know about. Um, he's doing uh, AQs and ABQs and, and a lot of different courses and stuff to make him a better teacher. Um, and I think this plays into a lot of what you said in terms of knowing the self and getting to there. Um, could you speak just briefly, you know, with it, within mind, kind of the things we've been talking to about kind of your value of continuing your own education as a teacher? Because it really seems like it plays into like you in terms of knowing your stops, knowing the things that are going to for your self-care, building your programs. And, and your story is, is one of ongoing learning. Um, so could you kind of speak to your value of that? And I know that wasn't in our notes, but it was kind of last yeah. thought I had. Certainly. Yeah. And, uh, and this isn't my, my own uh, words here. This is Fred Jones, but, uh, Fred, Fred Jones and reading about, uh, his two books there, he had uh, positive classroom, uh, discipline and then positive classroom, um, instruction. And, uh, in, in those books, he talks about how, um, if you sort of don't get uh, ahead of classroom management, like it, it's going to end up costing you your life because, um, you know, the blood and the sweat and the stress that people go through 
um, when they're trying to manage mismanaged classrooms literally can take your life, like literally. Um, so, so I think that um, that should be enough of a carrot <laughs> to want to want to learn. <laughs> you get to live. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. When it, when it becomes life and death, uh, then uh, certainly um, it's uh, it's it's so imperative. And but like beyond like, well, I mean, you can't really say beyond that, but <laughs> that's that's pretty much everything. But like in, that uh, we know in the moment. But uh, I would say um, like it, it's I think that we owe it to and, and not to sound too like grandiose or whatever, but we really do owe it to um, the kids that we serve that we're committed to getting better because um the, the, again like i said kind of towards the beginning of this um we're trusted with their uh you know their care and it, it's going to have grave impacts on their future so i think that we always have there's always ways that we can improve um the way that we deliver our service that's going to have a greater impact on the people that we serve so if if like if all that means is you know to read a little bit more or to like network a little bit more or meet more people that are going to help you. Um, I think that that's like a no brainer to me. Like, it's just like, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Um, so, so yeah. And, and I've been lucky because, you know, when you, as, when you kind of go down that journey as everybody, like as everybody's um, you end up finding a lot more than you would ever know. Right. It's kind of like when you go on YouTube or whatever, and you just watch the next video and then you reach the end of the internet, like, there's different things after you've read these books that you didn't even know about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the internet. I love it. <laughs> there was a website called that, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> but like you wouldn't necessarily even know about if you if you hadn't have uh, sort of um, started somewhere and and continued down that path. So, for instance, um, I had found recently I found uh, two of those books by Fred Jones I quoted in a thrift store, and uh, they were like a dollar, and it was unbelievable because I learned. Um, like, and I, you know, I don't want to diss my my teaching program or anything, but I learned a lot from that. Our from that teaching program. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot from that one dollar. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, and and the you know the motivation is you know if you're having a bad day or whatever, of course you don't want to wake up and have a bad day the next day. So what's going to be different? And oftentimes it might just be a few hours of reading. <laughs> it, you know what? Well said. Well said mm. for sure. You know, like a few hours of reading where the outcome mm. is you're better at what you do because mm -hmm. you, you read something that you didn't know before you didn't read it. And then, you ha and then, and then you can at least go in trying something, right? At least you're trying something new and it does make, it makes a world of difference. I remember going into certain classes where I'm like, all right, how is this going to go? And like, if you can't really see uh, it for like, if you can't envision success, then it's stressful. Like it's stressful if you don't know the path forward. But then I remember it was like a gym. It was first thing in the morning. And I, and I took a quick stop at like a, a dollar store and picked up some uh, balloons and I blew them up. And then the kids could, didn't have to collaborate. Maybe we're not collaborating that day, but they were just playing at their own level with their own balloons. And I saw it. I was like, wow, that would work. And then I came in and it worked. But then, but then even before I was in the class, this is the interesting thing I, I noted. Even before I was in the class on my drive still, once I had that idea, all the stress went away. Yeah, you're and all you're all amped up to start it because you know you can envision success, but if you can't envision success, then I think that's where a lot of stress comes from. Like if you if you can't imagine how this is going to land, <laughs> then of course it's going to be stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I, I like that because my 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 biggest 
not fear, but concern of mine is that uh, I would plateau as a teacher, like get to a point where I think, you know what, I'm good now. Like I have, I have a firm understanding of what I'm doing and I'm just going to run my program. What's that? I I plateaued in 2015. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yeah. You haven't won the world teaching award yet. I I still have to get the world's the world one. You got to get the the world one. No, but it's what they say, you know, and I, you see it so often where, where teachers get to a point where they're, they're like, okay, I'm good now. And I don't want to learn anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and they plateau and, and they just, so they could be like, a, it's usually around the 10 year mark. I noticed this. Uh-oh. So they're a teacher with 10 years experience. And then they just keep running that same 10 years over and over and over again, rather than uh, increasing that experience. Years, over. I don't have 10 years experience. I have one year experience 10 times. Yes, that's um, it. You know what? I, I can tell you without naming. Sorry, didn't go, keep keep going ahead. Yeah, no, um, you're the you're the um, star. I want to hear from you. <laughs> but but and you know without obviously naming any names or whatever. But you're right because I get kind of like people joking all the time that are that are full time that are just like, well, you know, I remember when I used to have to take courses or whatever, and like and every time I, I'll send an invitation, it's just you know a lot of rejection. But one of them came. It was towards like the uh, end of June this year, which I'm I would imagine you know. A lot of for a lot of people the gas is out of the tank at that point anyways i can hardly imagine you know doing a, a pd like two days into the summer or three days into the summer but uh it was a microsoft course it was uh connected and uh what struck me immediately was this presentation on dyslexia and it honestly up until that point really didn't even cross my mind and and just how um ill-equipped or unprepared i would be if i encountered it like and and it's a really good chance that i would and and if I have no training on how to serve somebody with dyslexia and all of a sudden I'm responsible to, you know, to assist them, then it's like, it's irresponsible for me not to know anything about it. So, and, and it was a really powerful um, hook. Like they basically started by saying like, Hey, we've got this sperm, de- uh, sperm bank for uh, people with dyslexia, like a dyslexic sperm bank. And everybody's just like, what? Like, it was like outrageous. And they're like, why? What's, what's bad about dyslexia? <laughs> and then they talk about and it was just an interesting sort of pushback on um you know the the perception that we have of uh, people with dyslexia and I, I don't want to get too romantic about what we do but you know there's there's really and Vito, you really hit this on the head with that 10 year thing kind of scares me um but you know you have these teachers who are in the the, the the downhill of the career type thing. And, you know, some of them become, you know, the wallpaper or like the old steady, you know, but then there's other ones. And and all of us remember an older teacher who, who got legend status. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think, I think you're hitting on some of that passion. Um, Passion needs a spark, right? You know, and, and you don't get a spark from doing nothing. You don't get a spark from doing what you've always done. And, and, and wouldn't it be wonderful if, like, the goal of, of every person who stepped in a classroom to teach young people was to become a legendary teacher? And, and I think you're setting us on the path to legend, legendary, you know? And, and that's what I'm really – and I don't, like I said, I don't want to get too romantic about it, but we all know. Because there's only one best teacher in the world. We- <laughs> and, and, and who was it last year? We got to find this out. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, though? That's what you're speaking about. You know, every school has those teachers who made, they've been there since, you know, you know, schools were made with stones instead of bricks because they didn't exist yet, but they're still that like 
passionate about what they do that they've gained this kind of like, oh my god, you got Mr. Raby? Oh my 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 dad had Mr. Raby and he's amazing. And my older brother, you know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. and, and you're speaking in ways how to how to how to attain the best version of ourselves so that like even if it's just to one student, we can become that legend. I really like that. Um Thanks, man. But to be to be honest though, like it's my my goal is like I'm a deeply flawed person. Like I have I have flaws and so I don't like I, I think my goal more is to um inspire. Like to to sort of uh to make sure. sort of just like light that light that spark um to to make kids want to go um learn a little bit more sort of on their own, right? And and that's and that's where it starts. It starts like cause cause if it honestly to me it's just it it starts outside of homework. <laughs> it starts outside of the things that have been assigned when you start looking at things that interest you. And then you start, because that's that's the true sort of idea of lifelong learning, right? So I, is, I think is finding is, uh, I think it's a great point, uh, time to jump into our last kind of topic of the evening tonight. Um, you're a really holistic and relationship-driven person. And I want you to talk to me and you've already started doing it and just to our listeners about the importance of that hidden curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of like I was saying, I think that it's uh, it's really important that we are preparing, um, you know, these uh, students that are, are basically citizens. Right. And and so that we're, we're teaching them how to um, conduct themselves in a society that is going to be um, positive positive for themselves and positive for others. Like, I think that it's uh, really important that we are teaching empathy, that we're teaching um, careness, you know, or ca- like caring, understanding. Um, and, and the only way that we can really do it is by modeling it. And, and things that we do knee jerk, like, and often if it's emotional, like if it's an emotional response, like we get mad at a kid or whatever, like that, we're, we're essentially teaching students that that's okay. You so know, how does a that lot, how, a lot how, of bullying can come from teachers and that get and then that students see it and then sort of mimic it you know what i mean like so how does that look in your classroom then how do how do how do you demonstrate that um like if uh, a kid were to get a lot of flack like it was very clear that he was getting bullied from many different directions giving that kid a voice right giving that kid a floor as much as other people that are bullying him to make sure that we're understanding multiple perspectives on the same thing Right. So so making sure that because because it would be easy to get drowned out if three or four people are saying something and one person is saying something. Right. Um, so it's I think it's really important to make sure that the kids feel like they're not getting kicked on, you know, like that they're because uh, that, that's the biggest thing. Honestly, those actions mean a lot more to me than like wear pink on Fridays for anti-bullying. Like, <laughs> like wearing pink on Friday, like, oh, I'm anti-bullying, but there's still bullying happening in my classroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so how does that how does that uh how does that look in in terms of uh you know an assessment you know how do you access this hidden curriculum through curricular based assessments and and work that students are doing like what does what does that look like for you fair um that i think it would be a little bit more uh, loose, especially if we're going back to um, talking about strategies that work personally, um, like that may be something along the lines of introducing multiple things. So beyond we talked about forest bathing, like like you just said, like um, like forest bathing be a, a good one. Also, maybe movement, uh, like uh, muscle relaxation, just introducing like a variety of different ways to de-escalate 
and then um, sort of assess maybe if it was like in a gym or something like this, what ones work for you, right? So instead of like, what are the five or what are the 10? Like, you don't necessarily need to just make a rote list, but like what, like personally, what what is uh, helpful for you? And, and that's a really good way of checking in and seeing, oh, I don't know, I don't have one. Okay, but like, let's look at what's available. Let's look at what's, uh, what, what might work for you, right? Uh, and, and so rather than just being like prescriptive, like you should do this or whatever, just offering like a variety, like choice essentially, offering a lot of choice, introducing a little bit along the way of, of many different options and then letting the student decide and then seeing what, checking in with the student. I think that's the biggest thing, man, is, is we get lost in, um, you know, report cards and, and assessments and everything that we fail to kind of capture what's going to be important for that person. What's going to be important for that person once they leave that building? That's you know a, what I mean? It's a really good adjective to use for it, Mark. I really like that. We do. We get, we get, we get lost in the, the paperwork component of, of the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it, they, life doesn't end there. Life doesn't end with the report card. So, it, and, it, and it continues. So I just think it's really important that, yeah, all, like showing strategies would be one way. Uh, that would be one way of, of doing it. For sure. Hmm. Awesome. Well, you know what, Mark, I think, I think that's a good place uh, for us to end it here tonight. Um, really appreciate. And I think our listeners really got from you tonight to, uh, to jump into the grind because you wouldn't be here if you didn't jump into that Fulford grind, you know, that doesn't, wouldn't probably wouldn't be here. Uh, jump into mm -hmm. the grind. Um, you know, you taught us tonight to support each other. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I know any subs that are in my building, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do the, I'm going to continue with the check-ins and I'm going to support because, you know, support the people in your building. Mm -hmm. I think you taught our listeners tonight to take care of ourselves uh, and, and really get to know who we are so that we can stop cycles of negativity and start cycles of positivity um, and to continue our learning because, you know, if you continue your learning, you might accidentally learn something. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, model to our students what we think the ideal and the perfect and a better world should look like because that's the only way that they're going to know. Um, so I really thank you for the, for the, for the gems that you've given, uh, both Vito and I, um, oh, and, and, okay. and our listeners. So, uh, thank you so much, Mark Raby, um, from Brockville, Ontario, uh, by way of all over the place, all over the world. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I think Ontario is really lucky to have a teacher like you. Thank you. Thanks. And right back at you, right back at you for Alberta. I look forward to uh, social distancing uh, a little bit closer. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully at Christmas, I'll be back home. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. So thank you, Mark. Thank you for yeah, joining yeah. us. And, and Vito, as yeah, always, thank you. Thank you. Great you. Yeah. Oh, pleasure is mine. Always. And, and you, you, <laughs> you sounded so much smarter this evening with those books behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had some substance today. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks again. Awesome. And uh, no I'll let Vito end it for us. All right. Thank you very much for joining us in another episode of The Unapologist. Next week, we're going to be looking at running the script. And now we have another guest for that. And that is a man named Michael Hurd. So look forward to that. Podcast.